Welcome back, everyone. Raise the Apple is here. We have finally made it. We have today, we have tomorrow, Sunday. Major League Baseball will be played. Spring training games start on Sunday. The Mets will be back in action on Monday against the Marlins. And I cannot wait. We have finally made it through this offseason. We will be having a MLB season as probably as little to no chance as we thought there was of that happening during the offseason with COVID and everything. Man, we've made it. This episode is probably going to be a little shorter. We're going to talk about the Mets offseason, which they obviously get an A++ for, and what their expectations going into the season, how I expect their season to play out, all that stuff. We did last episode, we talked about season predictions for everyone. Like I had the Mets winning the division, going all the way to World Series, beating the White Sox. We're going to go a little more specifically towards the Mets in this episode today. And, of course, we will wrap it up with this day in baseball history. First off, the Mets, like I just said before, get an A++ for this offseason. So much happened over this offseason for the Mets. You had new ownership come in. The Wilpons are still there, but they do not have any involvement in terms of baseball decisions. The Wilpons, I believe, own like 5% still of the team. Steve Cohen comes in as the new owner. Brody Van Wagenen is relieved of duties along with his entire staff. The first major move of Steve Cohen's regime. Sandy Alderson comes back. They hire Jared Porter. Jared Porter gets in trouble because he's a creep. He gets relieved of duties. Zach Scott, who was brought in to be the assistant for Porter, gets bumped up to GM as acting GM. Then you had... Uh, People were wondering if Luis Rojas was going to stay. Steve Cohen said Luis Rojas is our guy. Then all the player acquisitions occurred. And the excitement that was built around this team, without a doubt, I'd say it's between the Mets and the Padres for the most exciting team to watch in baseball coming into the 2021 season. Based on the moves they made, the additions they made, I think it's between the Mets and Padres and who had the best offseason in the league and who's going to be the most exciting team to watch come opening day. Now, when you look at the Mets, Mets going into the offseason, their big needs were starting pitching depth and a center fielder, where they're probably and some bullpen help if they could, were probably their biggest needs. They could not, they did get some bullpen help. They didn't do as much in the bullpen as probably a lot of people were expecting, but they made one big move that really set the tone for the offseason. Then the rotation, they added a lot of depth as opposed to making the rotation very top heavy. They went a different route and added a lot of depth. Did not make the splash for a big name center fielder. However, I did not think that was necessary, which we'll talk about. And we made some other moves that I would consider this Mets offseason to be one of the best offseasons we've seen the Mets ever had, ever have. So to start, front office, all that stuff going on, perhaps, I believe it was the first move, one of the first moves, if not the first big move of the new Mets tenure of Sandy and Steve Cohen making getting things done. Trevor May comes in. 
Trevor May from the Minnesota Twins, kind of underrated in terms of how dominant he really is because the Twins have uh, also had Taylor Rogers in the back of their bullpen, and they've had some, not, and they've also had some just studs on offense. Trevor May got kind of lo- got lost in the shuffle a little bit. A fantastic, fantastic addition. I could definitely see May. He could close from time to time. Primarily, will probably be the setup man, but uh, until Lugo comes back. But Trevor, May, Trevor May, I see a lot of Addison Reed in, and what I mean by that is what role he will play. So during the 2015 team, when they went to the World Series, it was primarily kind of Clippard to Reed to Familia was the route they took. I see that being somewhat similar. I see them taking, you know, Trevor, if Seth Lugo, until Seth Lugo comes back, or if Seth Lugo pitched earlier, or whatever the case may be, I primarily see the setup as either May, Lugo, Diaz, or, you know, May, switch them, have May and then Lugo, or Lugo then May, and then Diaz closing things out. Adding Trevor May was a fantastic get for the bullpen. I think the Mets, in terms of the bullpen, are going to rely on a lot of guys having comeback years. Diaz was had a nice bounce back year last year. Uh, Familia and Batantis are the big question marks. We saw Batantis say he said he thinks he has a lot to prove. I certainly think Batantis still has that in him. That big three in the Yankees bullpen they had with Batantis, Andrew Miller, and Aroldis Chapman. I definitely see Batantis coming back and maybe being a big three with the Mets. Maybe Batantis, May, and Diaz. Or Familia gets thrown in there. The Mets have so much experience in that bullpen. You're not relying on guys from the minor leagues to figure, try and figure things out in the bullpen. You have major league experience, guys who have proven success in the major leagues. And I just think that is a great, great thing to have. If you look at the Mets rotation, Diaz can't, uh, you probably won't see Diaz saving 60 games again, although you'd love to see that. But you know he's going to get nights off sometimes, or he may get injured, or he may have a bad stretch, or whatever the case may be. Almost every guy in the Mets bullpen has closed a game, or has closer experience. You know, you got Familia, Lugo, uh, Batances, Trevor May, all those guys have closed games, or have had somewhat closer experience in big spots. So if Diaz doesn't have it one night, I am comfortable with the Mets going to pretty much anyone in that bullpen. Miguel Castro, who the Mets got uh, last season, I think is one of those guys that's going to kind of fly under the radar. I think he's going to be a sneaky good arm in that bullpen that's going to eat up a lot of innings, but not a lot of people are going to talk about because he's not as big of a name. I see Gesellman, <clears throat> excuse me, and Aaron Loop also being in that similar boat. And same thing with Drew Smith. Drew Smith, if he makes the roster out of opening day, coming back from Tommy John, he can throw gas. Drew Smith, I can see potentially being a closer in the, his future career. <clears throat> he, excuse me, he can absolutely whip a baseball. He is so much fun to watch, but we really haven't got to see a lot of Drew Smith because of injuries. But I think the Mets bullpen is in great shape. You know, everyone's going to say, "Oh, well, you're relying a lot on bounce back years." Yeah, that's true, but also when you look at <clears throat> The experience that the Mets have in that bullpen, 
I am fully conf- I'm confident in it. If there is a weak spot on the Mets roster, I think it is the bullpen, but it's not as bad as people are making it out to be. If they all perform to the level they are more than capable of doing, this Mets bullpen is very, very good. I give their bullpen overall, I'm going to give them a B- minus rating. I give them a B- minus because... I give them a B just because of the talent that's in that bullpen, but I give them a B minus specifically because more so of you're banking on a few, uh, probably three or four guys in that bullpen having bounce back years, which is almost half your bullpen, which is kind of a big gamble. But again, I have no doubt that guys like Batantis and Familia can 100% do that. Starting rotation was another question mark. You had Syndergaard who tore his UCL and needed Tommy John before the original spring training of last year. And then you coming into the season, you had a rotation of DeGrom, Stroman, Rick Porcello, Michael Waka. You didn't really, you had Steven Matz in there. Then Steven Matz kind of blew up. Waka uh, started good, but then kind of fizzled a little at the end. Porcello fizzled in the beginning and then started putting it together at the end. Uh, Marcus Stroman opted out. Understandably, uh, Jacob Degrom is just being Jacob Degrom. You know, he's he's the goat. But then they went out this off season. Uh, they did not re-sign and bring back Waka or Porcello. Like Stroman accepted the qualifying offer. They made the big trade and got Carlos Carrasco along with Lindor. They've brought in Taiwan Walker. David Peterson had a very good rookie year last year. I certainly believe he deserves to at least start the year in the rotation and see what happens from there. Joey Lucchesi gets added. They add more depth with Jordan Yamamoto in the excuse me in the starting rotation. They've made so many. They they traded off Stephen Matz. They brought in Sean Reed Foley. They've brought in Stephen Tarpley, Thomas Zapucky. I cannot say his name. Who the Mets have had in the minor leagues. The Mets have made some Taiwan Walker. If I forgot to mention him, the Mets have made some great depth moves. Now, everyone was talking about Trevor Bauer. Mets have to get Trevor Bauer. They didn't have to get Trevor Bauer. It was strongly encouraged that they got Trevor Bauer. They did not get him, unfortunately. But I kind of like, even though the Mets didn't get Bauer, I love what they did instead. So instead of getting Bauer and saying, that's it, that's all we're doing for the rotation, they got five or six other options. So instead of adding... Instead of adding one guy, making one big move to the rotation, they decided to make a bunch of little moves, which I thought was a very smart and thought-out approach. I like bringing in Cookie. He's one of the more underrated pitchers in baseball. Lucchesi has a lot of potential. Uh, Peterson, we saw last year, was phenomenal. DeGrom is DeGrom. Stroman, Stroman. Syndergaard's going to be Thor when he comes back in probably late May, early June. At, uh, at least right now, that's what he's on pace for. The Mets rotation is definitely going to be one of the best in baseball, especially when Syndergaard comes back. The rotation will probably stand at DeGrom, Stroman, Cookie, Syndergaard, David Peterson. At least that's what I would have it as right now if everyone's fully healthy. The order, again, made shuffle. I mean, Cookie could very well be the number two behind DeGrom. Stroman could be number three. I mean, there's a lot of ways the Mets can do it which is awesome. We haven't seen a lot of flexibility with the Mets. You know, the this is arguably the best Mets rotation we've seen 
since the bit the future five I, I like to call them we thought we were going to have a rotation of the Grom, Syndergaard, Harvey, Wheeler, Mats. That did not pan out. We got to see that go through the rotation, that rotation one full time because everyone was injured at the same time. Two of the five guys are still there. The other three are gone. So I think this is one of the better Mets rotations we've seen in a long time. I give this Mets rotation an A-. Uh, the reason they get a minus and not a plus is because Syndergaard, I have no doubt Syndergaard coming back is going to be Noah Syndergaard. My question is the fifth starter until Syndergaard comes back. You know, so you're going to have the Grom, Stroman, Cookie, Peterson. Who's going to be the fifth starter until Thor comes back? Is it going to be Jordan Yamamoto? Is it going to be Joey Lucchesi? Who's it going to be? You know, right now they're projecting it to be Lucchesi. Uh, but it very well could be Jordan Yamamoto. It's really just who's going to have the better spring training. It could also be Taiwan Walker very well, which all those guys I'm comfortable with being the number five starter, but they are going to be the guy that needs to step up. They are going to be the big piece in that rotation until Syndergaard comes back. And when Syndergaard comes back, they may very well go with a six-man to try and ease Syndergaard back into it. A lot, a lot in that realm can happen between now and then. But again, that's a few months down the line, but I give the Mets rotation an A- minus right now, strictly because I'm interested to see how that fifth starter spot plays out, and I hope Syndergaard does not blow up when he comes back. He won't, I have no doubt, but you know, there's always that possibility. And then lastly is the Mets offense, A+. Plus. A plus. They went out. They got they. I liked Wilson Ramos. I'm. I'll be the first one to say I loved Wilson Ramos. He did not have a good year last year. I think a lot of that played into off the field stuff. I think Ramos just was one of those guys that struggle a lot with being away, not being able to see his family and all that. If you watch him on social media, he's very family oriented, as a lot of these guys are. But I think it was a lot harder for him not being able to be with his family, and I think that took a toll. But Ramos, I thought, was one of the more underappreciated catchers in baseball. I would like to have seen him stay and maybe get another chance to prove himself, but obviously at the end of the day, it's a business. That doesn't happen. They do bring in James McCann. I love the James McCann edition. James McCann, one of the more underrated catchers in baseball. He can hit. He can run a little bit. Not as good as JT Realmuto, but he can run pretty well for a catcher. He's very good behind the plate. He didn't have much to show in 2020 considering he was behind Yasmani Grandal, who the White Sox paid a lot of money to. But I thought McCann was a great addition. You got Pete Alonso at first, who apparently has deleted all of his social media. He said he's the best physically and mentally he's ever been for a baseball season coming in. Then you're going to have Jeff McNeil, who's got the flow over at second base, who very well could be a PGA golfer when he retires. You make the biggest trade of the offseason, bringing in Francisco Lindor. Then you do lose Andre Jimenez, who you thought was going to be the future of your team. And you lose Ahmed Rosario, who was your top prospect when he came up. But you do replace them with the best shortstop in baseball and Francisco Lindor. Over at third was another big question mark if the Mets were going to go get Chris Bryant or they were going to stick with J.D. Davis. I'm glad they stuck with J.D. Davis. 
I think the cost would have been a little bit maybe too high for Chris Bryant or a Matt Chapman or a Eugenio Suarez. And the Mets don't have really much in the minor leagues to begin with, so I think they would have given up a lot of major league talent, which I don't think they wanted to. I like J.D. Davis at third. In the outfield, uh, right field is Conforto, obviously the man. Center field is going to be Nimmo. Uh, Pilar will probably be off the bench. Maybe VR gets some time out there. But I think that's Nimmo's spot right now, and it's Nimmo's spot to lose. I'm one of the only Mets fans that's comfortable with Nimmo out there. We've seen what he can do. He's been a victim to the injury bug, but we've seen what he can do, and we have no doubt his hustle and heart and wanting to play the game. I am fully confident in Nimmo being our guy in center field. Would it have been nice to add Springer? Absolutely. I'm not going to sit here and act like you know, I wouldn't like Springer out there, but I'm fully comfortable with having Nimmo out there. Dom and left is Dom and left. You could call it defensive liability. You could call it whatever you want. Dom can hit. And I am fully willing to sacrifice just a little bit of defense. He's not awful at defense either and left. You know, it's not like you're putting, you know, some random dude out in the outfield that's never played out there before. He's getting a little more comfortable out there. He's not, you know, gold glover by any means, but he can get the job done and his bat will play. He could be a 30-40 home run guy. Right in the middle of that lineup, I'm fully confident. I'm fully comfortable at sacrificing a little bit of defense to get his keep his bat in the lineup. With how he was last year, Ooh, a plus for this lineup. And then on the bench, this is the best best bench ever, the best Mets bench ever. You're gonna have Pilar, Almora, Guillorme, Tomas Nito. You could have Jose Martinez in there. You could have all sorts of different combinations in there. I think the projected uh, bench right now includes Pilar, Almora, Tomas Nito, Luis Guillorme. And kind of that fifth spot is kind of up. Oh, my computer just froze on me when I was looking at it. Kind of that fifth fifth spot is in the air. Most likely right now I give the advantage to VR as being the fifth guy. Uh, maybe Jose Martinez. Maybe Khalil Lee has a great spring or maybe he won't come up till September. The Mets have had the built a lot of depth in the minor leagues and on the major league roster. I think this is one of the most well-rounded teams we've seen in a long time. Their bench also gets an A. Overall, I give this Mets team an A minus. And while you may saying, well, how come not an A or an A plus? I give them an A minus because you have, you're banking on some guys like Syndergaard coming back from injury strong. You're banking on guys like Batances and Familia to have bounce back years. And you're also taking a gamble on a guy on guys like Pilar and Almora. Not so much Pilar, but Almora and VR, Jose Martinez, kind of what they got left. And not saying that they're at their end of the careers, but what did what did what can they bring? You know, it was a very low risk, potentially very high reward for getting these guys. And it's just a matter of will they pan out? And I have no doubt in them doing their thing. You know, they're professional athletes. So having having all that experience and depth they have, I think the Mets are one of the teams to beat in the National League. I think it's the Mets, Braves, Dodgers, and Padres are the teams to beat in the National League. With the Mets the beating out Atlanta like I projected. 
I think San Diego is going to have a tough time, and that's just because San Diego is going to have L.A. standing in there right in front of them the entire way. If San Diego were in a different division or in the AL, they would probably be one of the teams to beat, but they just have L.A. standing right in front of them, and that's just going to be super hard for them facing them as much as they will during the regular season. But it should be very, very fun to watch. But like I said, this Mets team, I predicted in the last episode, I think Luis Rojas will be manager of the year. I think DeGrom gets his Cy Young back, wins three of the last four years. This Mets team is just something special. There, You can just feel that there's a different energy, just something different about it. I'm interested. Next step for the Mets in terms of moves is to figure out what they're going to do with extending Lindor and Conforto and possibly Noah Syndergaard, depending on how his year goes. I fully anticipate the Mets extending, it, at the very minimum, Lindor and Conforto. They will not let Conforto go. I see Conforto being the next David Wright in terms of I see Conforto being that, that guy. You know, he's the guy for the, He's our guy. You know, we, we already know Jake's our guy. But from a position player standpoint, from a non-pitcher standpoint, Conforto is going to be this team's guy. Conforto or Pete, I'd say, is this team's guy. I think just Conforto, just because he's been around a little longer, I think when Pete is around a little longer, he will also be in that category. But Conforto is going to be our guy, flat out. And speaking of David Wright, Steve Cohen, get it together. Why isn't number five retired yet? Just just putting that out there. There's, I'm just wondering why number five is not retired yet. But that's an argument for another day. Uh, but that's pretty much it for the Mets preview. I Again, the injury bug is something that the Mets have struggled with in the recent years, as we all know. They can stay out of the injury bug and get through June. The last couple years, June has been horrible, horrible to the Mets. You know, I think it was twenty. It was twenty nineteen. They won. I want to say three or three to five games in all of June. June was just a horrible, horrible month. If you take June out, Mets are the team to beat. If they can just get through June at five hundred or better. They always get off the hot starts. They always finish the year strong. It's just that month of June. And they need to stay out of the injury bug if they can. Obviously not off to a good start with Lugo. But, you know, injuries are going to happen. You can't necessarily prevent them. But you can't have, you know, uh, if you're for football fans, you can't have a San Francisco 49ers situation where you go to the Super Bowl, then the next year literally half your roster is out because of injuries, then you finish horribly and you then you question every move you've ever made the Mets can't afford that they can't afford to have all the guys they brought in just be hurt and that's really all it is so if you have if you're the Mets and as long as you don't have the injury bug you don't have the horrible month of June this team's going to the playoffs and what happens in the playoffs baseball's baseball that's the beauty of it Anything can happen in October. You know, if the Marlins somehow make the playoffs, they can make a World Series run. Anything can happen in October. That's the beauty of baseball. And this Mets team, I think, is better than the 2015 team. And, I mean, it's a lot of talk right now. They have to prove it on the field. I have no doubt they will. This is a very, very exciting time to be a Mets fan. Very exciting team to watch. 
and hopefully in November we'll be in the streets of New York City celebrating the World Series trophy. But that's pretty... Oh, I forgot one thing. One last thing. This day in baseball history, this time it is not baseball related. Sorry to Rockies fans, but on this day in 2019 was when Nolan Arenado signed his $260 million contract extension over an eight-year period, making him the highest-paid position player annually at $33.5 million a year. Sorry, Rockies fans, that did not pan out very well for you. <laughs> oh, I'm still mad that they, they literally just gave away Nolan Arenado, and it makes me sad because Nolan Arenado is the best third baseman in baseball, and there's no changing my mind on that. A lot of people say Matt Chapman or Rendell. No, it's Nolan Arenado. He's our, he will go down as probably the best defensive third baseman the game will ever see. You can make a case he's the best third baseman the game will ever see. But again, just like David Wright's number retiring, that's an argument for another day. So thank you for tuning in to this little Mets season preview on Raise the Apple. Again, not having a bad month of June, keeping off the injured list, and not making LOL Mets mistakes. That's really all this team has to do, and this team is definitely a World Series contender. Definitely, without a doubt in my mind. But that's pretty much going to do it. So thank you for tuning in. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, RTA underscore pod. Make sure you subscribe to us on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Like, comment, share, subscribe, all that good stuff. Leave any questions, comments, concerns down below. And we hope to we hope you enjoyed it. And can't wait to see you next time. We have some spring training games to start. Hopefully we'll have some good stuff to talk about. Thank you for tuning in. And let's go Mets.